Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Minnesota Vikings trade scenarios? And does Dalton Reisner make an immediate impact? That's today on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's a Reggie Wilson mailbag Wednesday. Welcome in on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on X, tweeting about the Vikings, covering the Vikings here at Locked On Sports Minnesota, part of the Ron Johnson Show, the Minnesota Football Party as well. And I'm joined today by Luke Inman, back from vacation, right-hand man. He's at Luke underscore Spinman on X and Reggie Wilson. Care 11 Sports Director and Anchor joining us every Wednesday and Friday here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's up, fellas? Reggie, how you doing? Doing good, man. Happy Wednesday. This week is getting by, man. Goodness gracious. Yeah, middle of the week. We got Luke Spinman here. He's back. He's rejuvenated. He's refreshed. Let's talk some Vikings. What do you say, Luke? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been a kind of a weird, goofy first two weeks for the Vikings, right? Because week one, a lot of preparation, a lot of hype, but then bang, bang. Thursday night, Philly, now they start to get kind of into their normal routine, it feels like. So excited to get back into the normal action and talk a little bit of Vikes with you guys as well today. Yeah, I feel like the fan base was in a bit of an 0-2 fog mm-hmm. over the weekend, but now that it's the new week, they've come out of it, and I'm actually sensing a little bit of excitement now going forward to the Chargers game. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter promo code locked on for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. I promise you. Plenty to talk about on today's show. We're taking your Twitter questions. We've got questions about Dalton Reisner, Marcus Davenport, trade scenarios already at the deadline, how to fix this team, and how do you fix the run defense here against the 0-2 Chargers on Sunday? But I like this first question from Brian Jellerson. Who makes a more immediate impact, Dalton Reisner or a healthy Marcus Davenport? Davenport aggravated the ankle issue after four snaps on Thursday. So he basically has not played for two weeks. We haven't seen what the Vikings can do with him in the mix on that defensive line. Dalton Reisner signed officially yesterday. So that gives him three practices to try to to get ready to play in this offense. Um, Who can make the immediate impact? Reggie, we'll start with you. Uh... So it's a bummer about Davenport, right? Because mm-hmm. he was someone who they kind of brought in on like this pretty expensive, like prove it deal. And the knock on him was that he was injury prone. And before he even starts the season, you know, they had good luck last year with Zadarius Smith, you know, with him coming off of his injury. But then You know, you try to sign Davenport to the same thing, you know, same type of scenario. And sure enough, before the first game of the season and one of the last practices before the first game, he gets injured. And you're just like, come on. So he doesn't play week one. He's out there in week two, and then he's out (laughs) quickly in week two. If this becomes something that lingers, I just don't know what his impact is going to be. And, you know, we've seen Brian Flores find other ways to manufacture 
a rush. And so maybe they can overcome that as they've kind of been doing through the first two weeks anyway. I look at a guy like Dalton Reisner. So it was funny, um, you know, big Tuesday for community events for the Vikings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Harrison Phillips is a huge, huge community guy. You know, I did a story on it last year about how he really pours into the community. And so he was at both of the Vikings community events yesterday, and he was asked about Dalton Reisner. So funny enough, these guys have been friends since before college. They were recruited to play at K-State together. And so Reisner ended up going to K-State, and I guess they were right up there. Like I think Harry Harry had kind of even – I think he even committed to K-State but didn't end up going there, and they've been friends for a long time time so he talked about how you know when they were against each other when he was in Buffalo and Reisner was in um, Denver how you know Reisner signed one of his jerseys over to him so that's hanging up downstairs in his basement he has a Dalton Reisner jersey in his basement right now and so he said he saw Dalton at the (laughs) at the facility yesterday and he's like uh, Dalton's like hey Harry like hey can you just like come out with me like I, I just need you I haven't played football in a while I just need you to run through my face a couple times just to like get me get me going like because it's been a while <laughs> and can you imagine someone being that jacked up to play that they're like hey come run through my face a couple times like that sounds painful but that's the type of guy that the Vikings just signed and so what I read was is a max one-year contract of four million guaranteed. And so, like, you don't sign a guy like that unless you are hoping that he contributes right away. And so I look at someone like Ed Ingram on that line who has struggled since he's gotten into the league, and maybe he's on the hot seat. Maybe he will be replaced. I think it's kind of tough because they kind of drafted Ingram as one of their premium picks last year. But I think Reisner presents a little bit of an upgrade there based on how Ingram is played. So I think Reisner has a little bit more of an impact right away than Davenport does. Yeah, a lot of good cases you made. Until I see what the game plan is and know you know where he's going to line up, whose spot he's taking over for, it's just tough to predict how much of an impact he's going to have right away because right now you still don't know if he's going to be brought in to maybe still be a depth guy or a backup plan, plan B. I know the two-and-a-half to $4 million contract – that obviously suggests he's going to be a starter, but I got to see what it looks like first. Davenport, on the other hand, I, I still think when fully healthy, and and you're right, Reg, like he's got to get healthy and prove he can string together here 8, 10, 12 games. But in this system under Brian Flores, I still think he could be a real impact player off the edge and inside with his hand in the dirt, which we saw him line up all throughout training camp and OTAs and things like that. We saw that versatility. So we talked about it all offseason. The sack production, it was non-existence in New Orleans last year. But when you look at the pressures, he's just a dude who's who's could be the perfect complement to Daniil Hunter. Help fill the void of Zadarius Smith, not only as a, a solid run defender, which they desperately need right now, but just that little spark on third down, getting off the edge after uh, the quarterback, who's got a little bit more juice, I think, than what we've seen from guys like Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham thus far. I know last week, Patrick Jones had the worst pass rush PFF grade on the team. 
And I know in week one, Wanham had the second lowest on defense. So they need Davenport healthy and explosive. And I think by the end of the season, when we finally look back, I think he could still live up to that hefty seven or $8 million deal they spent on him. Thanks to the way Brian Flores uses him all over the defense. Yeah, I'm ready to put out the Andre Carter bat signal. The way that these depth guys have played the 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 first couple of weeks, yeah. DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones were given really, I think, uh, I don't know if it was a free pass, but they weren't really challenged that much. I, I thought the Vikings might add a little more depth uh, at pass rusher to compete for those third and fourth roles, and they didn't. They just rolled with Wanham when Davenport was out, when Daniel was out. Those guys were playing with the ones, and and the Vikings trusted them to take the next step, and so far. They haven't. They produced four combined pressures in two games. And when you blitz as much as the Vikings do with Flores, which is number one in the league right now, 49%, the goal is to get one-on-one matchups, to get your best pass rushers in advantageous situations if guys are scrambling to pick up blitzes. But what are the Vikings at in pressure? 22nd. They're 22nd in pressure rate and first in blitz rate. The math's not working there. Something's got to change. The, the guys aren't winning these matchups, um, and I think that their edge rushers are a big reason why. I thought Davenport had a phenomenal camp, and the fact that he gets hurt the Friday before the first game is so unfortunate, and I guess that's that's part of his resume. He hasn't been able to stay on the field, and I thought that if they could make him into an 800-snap guy this year, by far the most of his career. I thought he could be like a 60-70 pressure guy because his pressure rates are very good. I think Davenport helps change the pressure rate. I think he gets gets you know close. I can't say he gets home because he does have a history of not getting sacks, but I think he applies that pressure more regularly than a Wanham or a Patrick Jones. Uh, Reisner, I've just got a hard time believing he plays this week. So in terms of immediacy, I think it's Davenport. I think Davenport plays... 10 days off that ankle aggravation. I don't know if Reisner plays. I mean, they might need more than three practices. I don't know how in tuned he is with this offense. I know he's in tuned with Chris Cooper, the offensive line coach, but that doesn't always translate to what the offense actually needs from him. Just quickly, Luke, do you think this is, is this a run blocking play? Is this a pass protection play? Cause he's historically, he's very good in pass pro. Not as much in run blocking, which is where they've immensely struggled. But do you think this is just a matter of Ingram is super vulnerable vulnerable right now? We can't trust him. We need someone who can keep Kirk upright. Is that as simple? Is it as simple as that? I think it's that. I think it's the fact that, hey, this is clearly the best. If we're going to go get somebody, right? And they've obviously dealt with a lot of injuries as well, which I think plays a huge factor. Still waiting for Chris Reed. Not a lot of help on the interior right now. Not a lot of options just in your back pocket. If another injury happened, Ole Udo goes down for the year. They brought in Questenberry. There's been a lot of movement going on on this offensive line, on this unit, especially in the interior, the last three, four weeks leading up to the season didn't really ever make you feel great about heading into week one. Now you got the Ole Udo injury as well. I think they just looked at their options and said, this guy, when you look at the next best guy, there's such a huge drop-off. Maybe we should go take a stab at this guy now. And what's the worst case? We end up spending two and a half, three, maybe four million worst case by the end of the year just to help keep Kirk upright. And more importantly, 
give Kirk a running game finally. Hopefully, that's the plan anyways. Um, I just think they looked at the risk-reward and said it can't hurt. We can't repeat 2022 and have the run inefficiencies that we had last year as well as the quarterback hits as well. If we're going to go take a stab on a guy, clearly Dalton Reisner is the best guy um, to go attack and try to go sign. And boy, that would that would just leave a terrible pit in your stomach if you waited a week too long and one of the other 31 teams ended up scooping them up. So I, I don't think it's as black and white as say, okay, this guy's a great run blocker. He's going to help us in that department. I think he's just a good player and a good mm -hmm. option out there when you look at the rest of the options in free agency. Again, I got to see how it all plays out, just like you, Sam. I don't know what the game plan is. I think at the end of the day, though, you sleep a little bit better knowing you got Dalton Reisner in the equation somewhere. Yeah, I like that as well. Um, also, looking at the stats, Reg, I, I've like my gut tells me that Kirk Cousins has been pressured a lot through two games. I look at the stats, his pressure rate is 13th in the league out of 33 qualified quarterbacks. Like, it's actually not as bad as maybe it seems on paper. They, I still don't think it's been great, but I think that if they could improve. This one, because I think Ingram is the weak link right now. You improve that, you might have a decent pass protecting line to keep Kirk Cousins off the ground. And the way he's been fumbling, it's pretty pretty important to keep guys away from him right now. Yeah, and that's the that's the tough part. It's so funny how so many people have blamed some of those things on Kirk Cousins, and I'm like, yo, like the first game. Antoine Winfield came screaming around and it's just like Kirk couldn't even see that coming. And then that second one in, in the Philly game is just, look, man, he's getting hit like crazy. And people are like, hold on to the ball. And it's like, yeah, you try getting hit by these dudes like at a high rate of speed and, and holding on to the football. Like, yeah, that that's an idea. That's a concept. You try it. Let's see how it works out for you. And so I think it's just really tough because, you know, he was mic'd up in that first game. And I, I still remember Jefferson being like, hey, you good? You good? He's like, oh, I'm getting hit a lot. I'm getting hit a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, here we go again. You know, everything we saw. I think uh, it was something that I said on CARE 11, I think, last week. I think he built up like empathy and sympathy from the national audience and quarterback because they saw what a beating he took. And I think we kind of saw it, but because the Vikings were doing well, I don't think we really like, I don't know. We, it, we didn't really focus on that. And it wasn't until you watch quarterback that you were like, dang, this dude was getting like beat up. And then you start the season and it kind of seems like an extension of last year. And Bradbury goes down, and now you're you know you're dealing with the backup center, and Ingram, who you're hoping takes a step forward, like he's still allowing too many pressures, and then the run game is just putrid. I don't know if like I remember when I was in was Cincinnati, I was in Cincinnati, and Zach Taylor was running a similar run game to what Kevin O'Connell is running right now, and it just wasn't working. They had Joe Mixon, Samaje P. Ryan, and it just wasn't working. And there was, I think it was like week six, seven, something like that. He just went and he ripped up the run game. Like he ripped up the whole thing and installed a whole different run scheme. And 
it worked. Like the Bengals started moving the ball on the ground. And I think Kevin O'Connell might need to, like, he might have to do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's not working. We saw, so, as Luke says, so many inefficiencies in the run game last year. They've carried over plus that this year because last year you rebelled out because Dalvin would just break one. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay, they're doing fine. But, like, there are so many times where the ball carrier is getting touched and hit behind the line of scrimmage. And then now you're seeing him, you're seeing Kevin O'Connell run the screen game, trying to just get the defense off, you know, back them off a little bit. And then those don't work. And so, like, something's something's not working there. And I think they need to maybe reevaluate the whole, like, scheme because – they're just going to keep getting Kirk Cousins killed back there if they can't find any balance on this offense. Yeah, the juxtaposition between the Vikings run game and the Eagles run game was stark on Thursday. So something's got to change there. You're absolutely right, Reggie. Uh, After this word from Bird Dogs, we're going to give you some trade scenarios already in week three. Yes, we've got them. But I want to tell you today about Bird Dogs. Uh, What does playing golf have in common with doing yard work or going on a date or lounging around the house or going to the gym, you can wear your bird dogs to all those things. They're so versatile. They're so comfortable. They're better fitting than Lululemon. They've got that liner that keeps you cool and dry. The anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. They've got the cloud knit fabric. That's so comfortable. It looks like khaki. It feels amazing on your legs right now. I've got the pants with the liner Maybe later today, it's going to be 84. I'll switch into the shorts. Got the pants, got the shorts. And you can also get the water bottle by going to birddogs.com slash locked on. With any purchase, you get a free water bottle. It's as easy as that. Birddogs.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on at checkout. Get the free water bottle with your order. Bird Dogs, you're not going to want to take these off ever. I promise you. Thanks again for tuning in today on Locked on Sports Minnesota. We're going to talk trade scenarios. We're going to talk about fixing the run defense. Make sure you also check out our uh, partners at SiriusXM, the SXM app. You can catch all the local hometown broadcasts there. Vikings games on Sundays or during the week. Twins games. Matinee today in Cincinnati here. Corey Provis on the call, 1135 Central on the SXM app. Just search Twins. And a programming note tomorrow on the Minnesota football party, we'll have Arif Hassan, Luke Braun, making our week three gambling wagers and Ron Johnson will make an appearance as well. So look forward to that. And that audio for those big round tables can be found on the lockdown Vikings audio feed. All right. Question from Swede Skoll. Give me some TJ Hawkinson style trades to make this year before the deadline that would fix an issue on this team and be worth giving up draft capital. This is juicy. Sometimes it's hard to to know exactly who's going to be in sell mode. But Luke Inman, you've studied. I've studied. I've got a name or two. Um, Luke, why don't you take it away? What do you got? Yeah, okay. So this guy, you know I'm a draft nerd, right? I don't like Mm -hmm. giving up all my premium draft picks, guys. As as much as we love TJ Hawkinson, and we would do that trade 100 out of 100 times, that was tough to sit there on day two 
and watch that full second round go by with no draft pick. I found a guy, maybe not as big of a name as TJ Hawkinson, but I still think could make a huge impact for us. And you could probably get him at half the price too, which is obviously great to keep as much draft capital as possible. Right now, most people couldn't name. Well, let's see if you guys can. Do you guys name more than two Rams defenders right now? Because they've absolutely gutted that roster and lineup over the past two years. Mm. Two guys, anybody? Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald. <laughs> you get one for free. Is and... is Vaughn is Vaughn gone? Where's he with? Is he Buffalo now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then Bobby Wagner was kind of always the other easy one, but he's uh, back in Seattle now, so that's kind of a tough one. Um, anybody? Like it's tough, right? It's tough. Nothing. Dang, okay. No. Okay. I got nothing. There's a guy in the trenches who came out in 2020. He was a UDFA. His name's Jonah Williams. Not to be confused with the top 10 pick for the Bengals, Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle. He's been absolutely balling out as a 3-4 defensive end. Fits that Brian Flores mold, 3-4 defense under Bill Belichick. And where he's excelled at the most this year through two weeks is the run game. I pulled this stat up this morning. ESPN run-stop win rate for defensive tackles this year as a 5-tech. He's tied for fourth in the league with 10 run stops in 21 run plays. That's a 48% win rate, which is absolutely phenomenal. So he's decently young. He's 28 years old. But more importantly, he's only got two full years of tread on the tires. He hasn't even logged 500 snaps in the league yet. So if you get the guy we've seen so far through these first two weeks, I think just like TJ Hawkinson, He's a guy who could come in, be a new cornerstone for this team, kind of a building block on that defensive line. Not to mention, most importantly, you probably get him for a fraction of the cost compared to what you had to spend on Hawkinson because the way the Rams are building their team right now, just from a, a front office lens, I think even just an early day three pick, maybe a fourth rounder at most, he could probably be had for. And just that extra body alone, that could make a huge difference in the run uh, Vikings run defense. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but they need as much help in this running game on the defensive line as possible. So Jonah Williams, think about that name as maybe an option uh, for some sort of trade like that TJ Hawkinson one we saw last year. I like that. It's splashy. Uh, Reggie, you got one? Now that they have signed Dalton Reisner, um, one that I was thinking about probably is null and void right now but um <laughs> before Dalton Reisner I was thinking like yeah. you trade whatever you need to for a Quentin Nelson in Indianapolis like mm. yeah like the the Colts are, are doing well and they need all the protection because Anthony Richardson just continues to um get injured week after week which is weird and you know first week took a big hit second week got a concussion um so they they need to continue to protect him but at the same time um a guy like that would definitely be an upgrade and you would just whatever you whatever you want like just here you go he's a grinder he's a mauler out there so really like him but other than that like I just I don't know who they would they would pick up that would necessarily be like, oh, wow, like this guy would make an immediate impact. Like you think of maybe like pass rush, maybe you maybe you see what the price is for a guy like Chase Young. Um, maybe, that's maybe interesting. That. 
Yeah, yeah maybe, I, I yeah. love the Quentin Nelson idea. I, I've, yeah. I I had such a huge crush on him coming out of the draft in that draft class. He was an absolute baller. He started out so red hot. I know he's kind of fizzled a little bit because of injuries. That team just in general has been kind of atrocious the last two seasons as well. But that's a good thing as far as stock goes. Maybe you could get him on a little bit cheaper. Three years ago, you'd have to give up like three first rounds for that guy. That's exactly. how dominant he was. That's how exactly. good he was, even as a guard. Maybe now you can get him for a first and a second round pick. I think that would be well worth the price. When's the last time the Vikings have had a dominant deep, uh, offensive line? It's been a minute, guys. Yeah, well, here's or, the thing. or or yeah. you could think about um, there's a guy right now going through a contract situation in Carolina. They're going nowhere right Ooh. now. Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. Bring him in. Let him work. What what if we go just a step inside of Brian Burns and we get one of the best defensive tackles in the pro in all of pro football, Derek Brown. Derek Brown. Now, the way that Quazy has used trades so far, he prefers getting guys that are high pedigree, right, in terms of draft status, and he likes getting multiple years of team control. And with Hawkinson, it turned into a long term relationship. Um, so someone like Quentin Nelson, right? Like Reisner is a rental. Reisner is a one-year guy. I think Quentin Nelson could be long-term Derek Brown. That'd be a long-term relationship. You'd have him for this year. You would have him for next year with the fifth year option. Same as Hawkinson. Number seven defensive tackle in football last year. Very durable, very talented. And again, I'm looking at that Panthers roster and I'm saying, they're 0-2. They're going nowhere. I think they need – it's kind of like the Lions, right? Like the Lions used a couple years of trades to build up their assets. They needed more than one big draft. They needed a few big drafts. Carolina might be able to work the Vikings for a one or two for Derek Brown. I mean, one of the best young defensive tackles in football. Luke, you're the draft guy. What do you think that's worth? Derek Brown, what do I think he's Derek, worth? Oh, yeah, man. yeah. Well, well, right now – and I know they play two different positions, but right now – they're not giving up even fielding phone calls for anything more than two first-rounders for Brian Burns. And I know Derek Brown, different position, but you just mentioned some great stats. I mentioned Jonah Williams ranks fourth right now mm-hmm. in run-stop win rate. Derek Brown ranks third. I mean, he's top three right now. He's dominant. He's that good. Um, I just think probably two first-rounders is probably wow. what you're going to have to yeah, well, he's so young. You just laid out yeah. a, a plethora of reasons. Why Why would the Carolina Panthers, who, yes, maybe a little rebuild mode, but now that they just mortgaged the future for this, uh, you know, number one overall pick and they got their quarterback, they don't want to start giving up pieces too easily um, unless they feel like they've got the depth. They can make do with some other young bodies back there and use that ammo to go get Bryce Young some real weapons, which is also what he needs. Um, so if you're going to mortgage the future on a quarterback, I always say you better surround him with some help and some talent. Don't go the David Carr route. The Houston Texans went. He ended up getting sacked the most in NFL history because they didn't provide him with an offensive line and enough weapons around him. So uh, I think two first-rounders, man, I think that's that's Ooh-wee. where the, the conversation starts for a guy okay. like Derek Brown. But All right. is he worth it? Did I you see so. Did you see him running uh, in the – well, he went into the tunnel after Michael Thomas – after the I, game I heard about Monday. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and they yeah. kind of got into a little bit of a scuffle. Yeah. He's hey, a fiery swag, guy. Though. You, yeah, you want that energy, right? You want that passion. Give me one of those guys for sure. Hey, first-round picks. Everybody loves first-round picks because it's it's 
it's the poss- it's the unknown factor, right? Like you never know who could be the next Randy Moss, right? But statistically, wow, one in every three first round picks pan out. So that means two thirds of these guys don't end up really panning out and lasting as long as you think and giving you the production that you're hoping you're going to get. So if you can prove those, uh, or if you can trade those for for proven stock, right? For mm-hmm. guys who have already proven their worth in the league, maybe it's not that that bad of an idea really at the end of the if day the vikings didn't need that first round pick to you know draft the quarterback of the future i'd be all for it like to have a dude on the interior first time since sharif floyd how nice would that be they miss they miss dalvin tomlinson like big time tremendously and somebody like that would help them but at the same time now you look at a, another guy that you're gonna have to pay in like a year or two and you're just like, okay, yeah. there's there's only so much money to go around. But if you, you know, eject said quarterback from the equation and pick up like mm-hmm. a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal, then maybe you can do that. What about um, another Panthers guy for a little less? Oh, we just want to pick them all apart, huh? You I wanna, just want to bring. Yeah. You want to bring Adam Thielen back? Adam, Adam, John, no. Um, <laughs> Chuba Hubbard. The mm. running, the running game needs a spark right now. What's I mean? What's a backup running back cost in a trade? Right? It's going to be like probably a, I would think late third round. Chuba Hubbard is, you know, rookie rookie deal. That's what you want. Two years of team control. Off to a really good start this season. Was a five yards per carry guy last year. Can catch the ball a little bit. Um, you know, if you're, and I know they've got Gaskin, Gaskin was kind of that play. So maybe they already have the guy in the building they want. Um, but Chuba for a sixth, if you had another injury, like if something happened to a Chandler or a Madison or a Gaskin, Chuba at the deadline, bring him in. You just like saying Chuba. Come on. Dude. They're not booing. They're chubing. Hey, how about, how about our Puka Nakua? call out huh earlier in draft season oh, has that dude been balling cool. out or what he, he's gonna break all of cooper cups team records like which, they've already which, they've he, they've decided can't even fathom that right he's that gonna get sense. all the targets yeah he's on pace for 180 targets something like that puka Doncic. oh i love that i like that does he have a nickname yet I think I you mean, gotta have puka, a good with a name like puka you don't even need, do, a do you Just need one, one at that first point? name only can yeah. he do the first name only on the back of his jersey like the soccer stars? Exactly. Yeah, one name, Puka. Um, good find by the Rams, though. Uh, and he might be the only receiver on their roster. I can't confirm, but he might be the only one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just <laughs> no, Tutu. Tutu Atwell. Tutu, Skoranek, uh, the bit big, you know, kind of boundary guy. But, yeah, not a Van, lot going Van on. Jefferson Van is, Jefferson is there. Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, that is. Uh, By the way, and- still waiting for either of you guys to mention just one other Rams defender, Aaron Donald. Dude, and- stop, stop <laughs> you got challenging options. us to do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. It's funny because Ramsey could, gone ten gone, years dude. ago. <laughs> ten years ago, I could name you every player on the Rams roster, and now I don't even care. Reggie, were you upset when uh, when the Rams were playing the Vikings in fifteen? And the Vikings beat them in overtime. Was that upsetting to Reggie at, that, at that time in his life? Absolutely. Well, you know what? You deserved it because uh, LaMarcus Joyner knocked out Teddy Bridgewater. And we were really upset. 
they're friends too. That was the tough part. They grew up together. Yeah. He felt bad about no, it. No class. He felt bad. Mike Zimmer it. wanted to fight. Jeff Mike Fisher. Zimmer's head was about to pop off his body and roll out to the fifty-yard line. He wanted oh to my knock gosh! The stash off. Oh my gosh! To... Guess who signed with the Rams? Backup cornerback. Those are booze. Those are Duke, Duke Shelley. Shelley. Wow. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I could have said that. Yeah. Forgot about that. That was the second defender. I mean I that. For sure, deserves one of these. <laughs> He's been there though. <laughs> He's been there for like a week or more. Any opportunity, Sam gets. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the bit on the show. We got to fix the Vikings run defense. In closing, the question, courtesy of Michael Chow, good friend of the show. Uh, how do you think B flow adjusts to the poor run defense from the last game? Was it bad because of the strong Philly O-line or bad because of the personnel and play calling? And will they naturally overcompensate and play great run defense and give up 400 air yards on Sunday? That's definitely a possibility, Michael. But um, Reggie, what do you think? I know that he is capable. This is like one of the first like real adverse situations of his young Vikings tenure. And they hired him because of his ability to make adjustments and his ability to figure things out and scheme things up because it seemed like every week uh, Ed Donatel was just like, all right, here's the game plan. Same as last week. Just try to execute better. Okay. All right. Ready? Break. And Brian Flores seems a little bit more nuanced than that. And so I think they're banking on him being able to help that, which it's interesting because Austin Eckler, May or may not play, missed last week. That dude is a menace back there, so trying to stop him is going to be really tough. But beyond that, they bring a little bit more of a high-powered offensive attack as far as the passing game to the bank. You know, I mean, the Eagles, they – the Eagles seem to play it a little vanilla when it came to their their passing game uh, on Thursday. But the Chargers, man, like, you know, they went up against one of the tougher defenses in the NFL with the Titans. And, you know, they, they, what they scored two touchdowns against them. But like, this is an offense that's built to like do it. My draft crush, Quentin Johnston, haven't heard his name much through the first two weeks. He could be someone that could cause some problems in week three against the Vikings. So I understand the question was about the run defense, but they may have bigger problems on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that Eagles game, man. That was like the perfect storm because you got the best offensive line in the league and the best rushing attack lined up against a defense that just based off the alignment, right? The personnel, you're just gifting this Eagles team five yards minimum every rush, because when you're in that three, three, five look with five DBs on the field, it's almost like taking candy from a baby. In fact, you go back and watch some of the tapes. Some of those reps, they only had two down linemen, which again, is just begging the Eagles, just run it right down your throat. And, you know, I get it. This is like Flores's base defense. Now we're all going to kind of have to get used to that with all the three safety looks and it's got its advantages. There's definitely a lot of good things about that, especially versus the pass. But when you're going up against a, a rushing attack, as good as the Eagles have, you're basically just gift wrapping them easy chunks on the ground. Every time you line up in that package, I was just shocked 
they didn't make a bigger adjustment earlier in the game after those first few drives, just getting steamrolled like they did. So uh, especially like you think about Ivan Pace, who no bigger fan of Ivan Pace than myself right here. And as much as he's made such a huge impact in the pass rush, for, especially for an undrafted rookie, obviously, it's just been an absolute baller. But when you put a guy like that, of that stature, 5'10", 225, in the middle of your defense, and then you let an interior lineman just come untouched off the snap, can just walk up to the second level like they did time and time again. I mean, even a guy as good as Ivan Pace, he's just got no shot because of the size mismatch. So he's just going to get swallowed up, and he's going to lose that match four out of five times. So for me, I think it boils down to A, Brian Flores just at least just lining up with more beef up front, you know, more standard 3-4 or 4-3. doesn't really matter which one, but get some more defensive linemen in the game just to give yourself a, a fighter's chance. That's the easy fix. But then B, the linemen you do throw out there, they got to be able to hold up against the run. You know, they got to be able to hold their gaps better. The run bits have to be clean, things like that. They just got to be better. And right now, guys like Dean Laurie, they've been playing way below average. Uh, in fact, PFF grades, They've been pretty close to atrocious the last two games. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was something I was always concerned about. You know, the minute they brought him in to replace who we were just talking about, guy like Dalvin Tomlinson, who was so good. So even when they get into some of those bigger packages with more size and more strengths on running downs, I'm not sure they got the talent right now, guys, to, to hold up and force those teams into third and long situations where then Flores can dial up all the fun blitzes and make all his money. But Laurie... Bullard, Tonga even, through two games. I know it's only two games. I get it, but they've all been below average right now in the running game. So I don't know what you do unless a guy like Jaquel and Roy comes in mm -hmm. some sort of big difference, which would be great. Who knows? Otherwise, this run defense, it, it may just be a below average unit this season, you know, because they didn't really take it uh, serious enough. Maybe in the offseason, they didn't invest enough money and resources to really fix the issues that they ended last year, which, which, I don't need to remind anybody. It was one of the worst run defenses in the league last year under Ed Donatel, and that was with Delvin Tomlinson. So get out of that 3-3-5 and the three-safety look, at least on some early downs. That's going to help absolutely. But when they do get into those, you know, do-or-die situations throughout the year, third and short, fourth and inches at the goal line, more times than not, I'm just – I don't feel great, I'll put it that way, about their personnel holding up, unfortunately, against some of the better offensive linemen in the league. Yeah, I tweeted this two days ago. I'll, I'll regurgitate it here. Harrison Phillips, three pressures, nine run stops through two games. Very good. The other three, Lowry, Tonga, Bullard, zero pressures and five run stops. And like Luke said, you don't really have a play there. Like Jaquelin Roy, the rookie, is your only play. You don't have a lot of options to come in and save the day. I would like to see a little more Tonga. I think he's gotten the short end of the stick. I'd like to see him maybe in place of Bullard a little more, give some more beef up the middle. There's not a lot of options. I, I do wonder, and this is just me talking out loud, if the 50% blitz rate scrambles the, the, the run fits at all when you've got so much happening in terms of pass rush that if they're catching you in a, in a blitz and they're running the ball, I wonder how that's actually working out in terms of run discipline? It's a fair question. Sometimes there is things, though, that end up turning into, hey, we called a pass blitz, but it turned into a run blitz. You know, you're still it, sending yeah, extra guys. Worked. More times mm -hmm. than not, it should still help anyways. You are you got guys moving downhill towards the ball carrier. That just well, that makes it worse. 
That makes it worse that they're this bad. <laughs> yeah, it does. Hey, re- remember, yeah. I mean, what was it? I guess it was last draft, not this last draft, but two years ago. I was the guy banging the table for Jordan Davis, you know, before they traded all the way back mm-hmm. for another safety. I wanted Jordan Davis. Imagine the difference this defensive line would feel like if they had that just big run stuffing nose tackle to help open up plays for everybody else right now. Reggie Wilson, ter- tell us what's happening at Care 11 tonight. Hey, man, we are going to be live at Target Center talking links game three, win or go home. I guess Let's win or stay links. home. Yeah. Uh, and so they're trying to spoil Connecticut's like Connecticut. They have championship ambitions. And so they're trying to play spoiler. Uh, so we're, we're talking about that and we'll be there for the whole game and, and live reports after the game as well. So that's the big story. Uh, Julia will be at Vikings today as they get ready for the Chargers on Sunday. So um, pretty, pretty busy, uh, pretty busy day in the Care 11 sports world. And I, I just learned, well, I texted a buddy last night, I just learned that in the WNBA, the underdog team gets game three at home, mm-hmm. the deciding game. That's, that's a little unique, but kind of cool. Yep, um, yep. So we'll see what happens, see if the home crowd helps them. Cause I, I said on this show, Link's, Link's 200 to 1 to win the NBA title with the best coach in the league, Cheryl Reeve. That's a great bet. Easy money. Got to win tonight to pay it off. Um, and then win two more series after that. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie Wilson at Reggie Wilson TV, Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for watching. Tomorrow, Minnesota Football Party returns with a reef Hassan, Luke Braun, and Ron Johnson. Until then, Saying so long on the Minnesota Football Party. Be blessed. Spread love.